Welcome to the Healthful Woman Podcast, the fastest-growing podcast in women's health. Today's Monday, September 26th, 2022. We continue today with part three of our four-part miniseries on midwifery, leading up to National Midwifery Week, the first week in October. Two weeks ago, we dropped the podcast I did with Lauren Abrams titled, We Love Midwives. And last week, my friend, Amber Wormsley, who is an OBGYN herself, told her birth story, which was a planned home birth. Today and next week, I'm joined again by Lauren Abrams, who you all know from the prior podcast, and Susan Rachel Condon, who is a very experienced home birth midwife in New York. She also goes by the name Birdie, in case you hear one of us use that name and you're confused. Lauren, Birdie, and I discuss home birth this week and next week. I hope you will find it interesting. Before we start, a few notes. First, I think the elephant in the room is that I'm an OBGYN and an MFM, and I have no experience whatsoever with home birth. Take that for what it's worth. I don't think it invalidates my opinions, but you are, of course, welcome to judge for yourself. Second, and I want to be upfront about this, home birth is not my cup of tea. I have issues with it, especially in the current U.S. healthcare environment. I tried my best to be as neutral as possible and play the role of the podcast host rather than the guest. And again, you can judge for yourself how I did. That said, these podcasts are not meant to promote home birth or to argue against it. I'm not trying here to take a stand in either direction, just trying to be open and fair, present the topic to you in an interesting and informative manner. I'm happy to get feedback from all of you, so send it along. Another interesting note is that this was the first time I recorded a podcast from home. It is purely coincidental that the home birth podcasts were recorded at home, but I hope you enjoy the irony as much as I do. Oh, and if you hear one of my dogs barking during the podcast, my apologies. Lastly, for those of you in the middle of the Jewish holidays, I want to wish you a happy new year and also let you know that this Thursday, we will be doing our annual redrop of the Fasting During Pregnancy podcast Melka and I recorded so you can refresh on that topic just in time for Yom Kippur next week. For now, enjoy today's podcast on home birth, See you Thursday for Fasting and Pregnancy, and then again next Monday for our final home birth podcast in the Midwifery miniseries. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Welcome to today's episode of Healthful Woman, a podcast designed to explore topics in women's health at all stages of life. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Fox, an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist practicing in New York City. At Healthful Woman, I speak with leaders in the field to help you learn more about women's health, pregnancy, and wellness. Lauren, Susan, Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks, Nadie. Thanks for inviting us. Unbelievable. So this is going to be a really interesting podcast, I think. Lauren and Susan, Rachel, who also you go by Birdie, so that's what I'm going to be calling you for the podcast, are both midwives. Lauren has been on the podcast before, a couple of years ago, and Birdie is new to the podcast. And we're going to be talking about, I think, a really interesting and possibly unfortunately, I would say controversial topic, which is home birth. So thank you guys for both agreeing to join me and to talk about this. And hopefully our listeners will appreciate what they get from us. And clearly the three of us are coming at this from different angles. So that's Mm -hmm. intentional. So I'm going to give you guys a chance first, just introduce yourselves so our listeners know who you are. Lauren, I'm going to let you go first. You can just give our listeners a brief overview of who is Lauren Abrams. So Lauren Abrams has been a midwife now for almost 30 years. I've worked in 
mostly the hospital setting, but I did spend five years in a birthing center in the South Bronx. I've been at Mount Sinai now, my most recent place of employment for 20 years, where I see mostly patients who are either high risk or medium risk. I attend births in the hospital and see patients in the clinic. I've also done some overseas work. I was a Peace Corps volunteer, and I also have done some midwifery work in Guatemala. So that's sort of an overview of my midwifery career. Awesome. The high-risk midwife. Right. The medwife. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. All right. And Bertie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I have been a midwife in practice for about 22 years. And what happened for me when I finished midwifery school was I had intended to go into home birth at some point, but I planned to get a job and work for a couple of years first. And when I got out of school, there were no jobs. So I started assisting an established home birth midwife who had some health problems and needed a lot of support and assistance. And I was working in New York City, doing attending home births with her and doing comprehensive care because midwives do all prenatal care and screening and attend births and do postpartum screening and postpartum care and neonatal care and lactation support. So we were doing full scope perinatal services. And then I actually moved to a rural area about 100 miles from New York City. And I started a home birth practice at that point, very, very slowly and gradually while I was also working for DM at Planned Parenthood. So doing ambulatory care. And then that private practice in home birth grew and grew and grew. And my partner and I got very busy and I decided I had to leave the ambulatory position. And I worked in home birth since then. I also do a lot of perimenopausal and postmenopause care, sexual counseling and sexual health, as well as cancer screening and hormone therapy. So I have a pretty big scope, even though my biggest place is, is in home birth. And so I was going to ask as a follow-up question to both of you, what is your personal experience with home birth? So obviously you've had the most. So for how many years have you been doing it, you know, I guess if not full-time, you know, most time? For me, I have been attending home births since 2004 full-time just, and since 1998 altogether. So yeah. I'm, I'm not going to do the math, but however many years that. <laughs> no, the three of us all sort of started our careers around the same time, which is, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I've never thought about it actually, but it is interesting that we're all, we all came up at the same exact time. So mm-hmm. I guess that's, wow. yeah, so we have different, you know, we got different angles of the same time frame. And so currently approximately, would you say, how many home births are you attending, you know, a week, a month, a year, however you count them? Well, our practice does probably, I would say, seven to 10 a month. And, you know, the way that we look at it is for each home birth, each home birth is a 40-hour work week because you've got that person's prenatal visit, you've got the birth, however many hours that is, and there's the travel time to their home. And I live in a rural area, so we travel pretty widely. And then we do actually a tremendous amount of postpartum care in the first week, which mm-hmm. is something a lot of people don't realize. So we go back and see the baby and see the, the breastfeeding diet, as you would. We would see them between 24 and 48 hours because of the cardiac screen and jaundice screenings. And then we go back on day three to check weight gain and see that the, that the meconium has passed and all those things. And we come back on day seven. And then again at day 14. So each time somebody has a baby on any given day, that person, that family represents 
generally a 40 hour work week. So we're very, very busy. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. What about what about you, Lauren? I know that, you know, currently Mount Sinai, you're not doing any home births, except apparently there no. were three births in the lobby in the elevator last night. So whatever. <laughs> For some reason, I, because we're having this podcast, yeah. free unplanned out of hospital births last night. So my personal experience with home births, I have attended one home birth in Guatemala. I was there to teach some community midwives to do some teaching about handling obstetric emergencies. And one of the community midwives was actually a student midwife and asked me to attend a birth with her as sort of as her preceptor. And so she and I attended really a lovely birth in a small village in Guatemala. And that was a, that was the only home birth I've ever attended. I've never attended a home birth here. I did personally plan a home birth with my first pregnancy. I did not have a home birth with my first pregnancy, and that's another story. But the the labor at home, I did enjoy that part of it. Meaning you were you were a planned home birth and it the plan changed mid labor, not before labor. Changed, exactly. Okay. Mid labor. I arrested, you know, I had arrested dilation, went to the hospital, got pitocin augmentation, eventually got to fully dilated, but then had a C section for arrested descent. There's there you are, high risk midwife. Yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> That's so you, Lauren. <laughs> uh, all right. And so I, you know, for full disclosure, I have no experience with home births. Uh, I've never attended one. I think one of my relatives had one, you know, for, you know, this is, you know, we're talking 40 years ago, but I have very little experience with it personally. So I'm going to be doing mostly asking questions as opposed to giving statements. So just everyone knows where we're all coming from. So I, I wanted to start with, what are your thoughts on why is this such a hot topic in the US. I mean, whenever it comes up in my experience, people have such strong feelings about this. I mean, way stronger than anything else, right? Except maybe politics, but they're they're very much like, home birth is amazing, it's the greatest, you know, it's so much better than hospitals, I'm so for it, I really love it. And other people like the exact opposite, like you're insane if you have a home birth and there's like not that much in between. And I'm curious why you guys think that is. I would say that there's a lot of conditioning starting from the time we're very little that it's, you know, facility-based birth is sort of normalized so that it seems very odd to not go to a hospital to have a baby. And in our area of the country, at least, there are very, very few birth centers. So we're really talking about hospital or home. And when you look at the statistics, even though there are tremendously increased numbers of home births over the last couple of years, I mean, astonishingly, it's doubled. It's still under 2%. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that a lot of people get exposed to in their personal lives unless they're kind of dancing in those circles anyway. So what we see is we see a lot of TV and movies and, and the, it's always very dramatic and something terrible always happens. You rarely see somebody just have a baby. The only example I can think of of a beautiful birth in a film was The Scarlet Letter, which... Jo Joan Flowright played the midwife and Demi Moore was Hester Prim and, and it was the most realistic, beautiful birth I've ever seen in a film. Wait, not, not, not Phoebe's triplets on Friends? No, exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> That's not realistic? That, the, that is the only episode of Friends I have ever seen because everybody said, you have to see this. <laughs> and then I watched it and I just about peed myself because I thought, okay, that is ridiculous. 
<laughs> but exactly. I mean, everything that we see is so over the top and so unrealistic and so fictitious that people don't really have a grasp on what normal birth looks like. And also because it has been taken out of away from the family and the community and put in a place where sick people go, we associate it with sickness or danger or emergencies. Right. I agree with Bertie. And I think, you know, if you go back and look at the history of midwifery in this country, I think you can sort of see the reason for that. People had home births attended by community midwives. That was the most common way to give birth up until about the 1910s, 20s, 30s, when really the the history is that physicians began to realize that they could actually greatly increase their income by delivering babies themselves in the hospital. And there was a real cultural shift. Midwives were you know, were started to be considered, quote unquote, dirty. There's a lot of racism involved, too, because there were many community midwives in the South who were traditionally people of African descent. And they, you know, birth was considered, birth in the home was considered unsafe, was described as unsafe by the mostly white male physicians. And so birth generally moved into the hospital from the home. And the midwives did not go with. Yeah. Mm. And midwifery got moved at that point into nursing schools in this country, which is very different from the midwifery training in other countries. It's a completely separate profession from nursing. And here it was moved then into nursing schools in an effort to sort of regain credibility. But what that ended up doing was really limiting access to midwifery education and pushing midwifery, yeah, and pushing midwifery sort of into the into its own area. That's where the history comes from. And that's why we've sort of over the years associated birth with danger, with infection, with the need for hospital care. When you guys are in, let's say, social circles and people say, what do you do? And you say, I'm a midwife. What is typically <laughs> the, the first response you get from folks? I'm curious. Lauren, what, what, what do you get? Mostly, it's, wow, what a great job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what I mostly get. Okay, and you're like, you're like, no, it's not. You should, <laughs> you try taking call Mount Sinai, see what right. happens. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Bertie, what, yeah. what about you in the, in the first? And then the second question is, how much do, do they assume you're doing home births because you're a midwife? A lot of people just assume that's what happens. Yeah, to answer the second part of that question, yes. Most people do assume, assume that I attend home births. Okay. Bertie, what about you? What do you get when, when you tell people you're a midwife and then um, when you tell them I do home births? Are they are they fascinated? They just like like pepper you with questions? It it really depends on the demographics of who I'm talking to. Very often I get, oh, that must be so wonderful. And I'd say, well, when it's great, there's nothing better. When it's bad, there's nothing worse. Right. <laughs> you know, it really runs the the full gamut because people don't really think about it. It's just like, you know, birth, it must be a, a happy event and that kind of thing. And do people assume that I do home births? That's really interesting. I think it's 50-50. I think it really depends on who I'm with. But when they do ask, you know, if I say yes, no one is surprised, I don't think. And that has changed. I don't think that used to be the way it was. I don't know. I, it's, yeah, I think it varies a lot. Well, and I'm curious, I know Lauren, you know, you're a midwife and you practice in a hospital and Bertie, you're a midwife and you practice you know, doing home births. I want to get what your your thoughts are on 
deliveries in hospitals. You know, and that can range from, I think they're great. I think that they're sort of good in concept, but they've gone a little bit too overboard with, you know, the medicalization, or they're just like, it's a bad idea. We should get births out of there unless <laughs> absolutely necessary. And again, that's that's a range. And this is, you know, you're free to give any opinion you want. I'm curious what you feel about this. And I'm really curious because you guys have very different practices as midwives. Yeah. What I feel about that is actually a range. And I think it really depends on the person, how healthy they are and what their desires are for their birth experience. I believe 100% that home birth should be absolutely available and actually should be integrated into the healthcare system for all women who want that and all women who are healthy enough to have a safe home birth. And many women do fall into that category. So I do, I really feel that it should be an, a completely integrated part of our labor, our, our birth, birthing system, basically. I'm also very glad that hospital birth is available to people who need it. I work with many, many women who have many underlying medical conditions that make pregnancy and birth dangerous for them, including just, you know, basic, the basic stress of living in poverty and living with racism that can lead to things like hypertension and diabetes and, you know, all kinds of medical conditions that make it more dangerous to give birth at home. And so I'm very glad that hospital birth is available to those who need it. It was really based on quality research and working with lots and lots of stakeholders from different disciplines, including consumers. How exactly has it been a game changer? Do you mean in terms of making it safer, making it easier to practice or like what exactly do you mean? Well, it means that you have a formal response. You know, there's there's an MFM in our area who is not my favorite person to collaborate with. Oh, (laughs) shots fired. All right, here we go. (laughs) Some really, really unfair, inappropriate things to our clients in the past. And one of them, she put this, this woman in tears. The woman came to me for a prenatal visit and said, so when I told the MFM that I was leaving the other practice and I was planning a home birth, she looked at me and she said, oh, really? What's your midwife going to do when you're bleeding out? which was a really inappropriate thing to say. And Mm -hmm. the the woman was very upset about it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to send her our protocols and I'm going to invite her to lunch. So I I sent her the entire document, which is like 40 pages. And I said, see page, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's it's not like, what do we do? We're not knitting in the corner hoping for the best. We're (sighs) actually clinicians and we know what to do if somebody hemorrhages and, you know, it, and, and it's really unfair and inappropriate for you to speak that way to a patient. How did that How did that lunch go? She never responded to my letter. But I felt like I had something in my, you know. Right. She, she hasn't talked to other people who are clients of mine like that since. Uh-huh. And in, in a way, I feel like I made my point. Like anytime you want to sit down and discuss the home birth guidelines, I would be delighted to meet with you. You want coffee? Great. You want a beer? Great. I'll take you to lunch. And right. And it was me saying... I have protocols, I have guidelines, I follow them and I'm happy to engage, but I want you to know so that you can feel assured that I carry IV equipment, I have Pitocin, I have misoprostol, and I know how to, you know, stop a hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. And if it's appropriate to transfer after a hemorrhage because either somebody's not hemodynamically stable or I think they need a transfusion, I'll take them in. I'm going to stabilize them first, I have a protocol. So, you know, I just 
just that, but also there have been those regional perinatal centers have written their own documents so that it is less likely that a midwife is going to bring in a baby and say, look, you know, I resuscitated this baby. I'm not really happy with her tone and I'd like for her to be evaluated and then for them to have them sit there, you know, in the ED for 10 hours because they, they're punishing them. And these are the kind of things that used to happen. And fortunately, they happen less and less. Lauren, has that been your experience as well about maybe the attitude in the community around home births? Yeah, it was a little less extreme than that. I had an experience here when I was director. We, and I was part also of the New York City midwives, there was a lot of talk about how to create relationships between home birth midwives and hospital midwives to help facilitate those transfers. Because in a way, it really does make sense the, since the majority of transfers are for labor dystocia where a woman may just need a little you know, rest and help with the labor and is not very high risk. It would be very appropriate to transfer to a, a, a hospital midwife to continue the care. So during that whole discussion, I approached the leadership at Mount Sinai the, and the people who were the leaders then are not the current leaders. And the response, I was, I actually got a much better response than I expected. I expected, you know, them to sort of throw their hands up in horror and say, oh my goodness, no, we're so liable. We could never do this. What they did say was, we are concerned about the liability if we have a formal agreement for home birth. However, we understand that this will increase the safety of home birth and home birth patients. And if you haven't, as an individual midwife, receive a phone call from somebody, you, you know, can use your judgment and accept them. And so we did actually have, we have had, actually had several transfers, one for an induction at 42 weeks and one for a labor dystocia. There was an, there was another one that was actually not did not go that well. It was a woman who had a postpartum hemorrhage and came in and was not stable. But for the most part, they were really good experiences where the midwife would call us, we would take the patient, we had all of her records, and we would just sort of take the care to that level because that particular woman needed it. It doesn't happen a lot. And I was disappointed that we couldn't formalize the relationship. I would have loved to have had a document, you know, that we could sign and, and the leadership here didn't feel comfortable doing that. But they did express understanding of the rationale behind it. And I did get support in those individual cases that I was really happy about. That's cool. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about home birth. I think this has been a really great start to the conversation. I'm going to have you both on next week to talk about, for those of our listeners who are interested in themselves in a home birth, what kind of question should they be asking and how can they find a provider? So thank you guys so much. We're going to have you back on next week. Thank you for listening to the Healthful Woman podcast. To learn more about our podcast, please visit our website at www healthfulwoman.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L-W-O-M-A-N.com. If you have any questions about this podcast or any other topic you would like us to address, please feel free to email us at hw at healthfulwoman.com. Have a great day. The information discussed in Healthful Woman is intended for educational uses only. It does not replace medical care from your physician. Healthful Woman is meant to expand your knowledge of women's health and does not replace ongoing care from your regular physician or gynecologist. 
We encourage you to speak with your doctor about specific diagnoses and treatment options for an effective treatment plan.